Advances in digital technology are transforming the way we all do business, and location is fast becoming the nerve centre of the digital future. Why? Because in our global environment, location matters. And most data includes a location component that, when unlocked, will open new lines of inquiry, analysis, and understanding. Welcome to the Locate 20 podcast, where we share with you a deep dive into the lives, motivators, and future legacies of some of the key players at the Locate 20 conference, Australia's annual national gathering for custodians of location data creation and management. Locate conferences have been bringing together geospatial and surveying professionals to connect, collaborate, and learn about cutting-edge industry developments and insights since 2014. Locate conferences provide three days to deep dive into geospatial technologies and harness the power of location. Join us for Locate 20 at the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Centre from 28th to 30th of April 2020. Our guest for today's episode is Peter Woodgate. Peter is the chair of SmartSat CRC, chair of the Australian Urban Research Infrastructure Network, co-chair of the 2026 Spatial Industries Transformation and Growth Agenda, board member of the PSMA Limited, and is a member of the Council of Charles Sturt University. He has been involved with the spatial and space industries for over 30 years, helped create several companies and managed an industry cluster of over 100 companies, translating applied research into commercial outcomes. Peter is an honorary fellow of the Surveying and Spatial Sciences Institute, a life member of the International Society for Digital Earth, and graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. He has a Doctorate of Business Administration through RMIT University, a Master of Applied Science in Remote Sensing from the University of New South Wales, and a Bachelor of Forest Science from the University of Melbourne. We are absolutely thrilled to have Peter join us for today's episode. Peter, please tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today, and what are some of the learnings that you've had along the way? Well, I've had a bit of a blessed career. Thanks, Roshni. I started off as a forest scientist and my first posting was into forest research so I actually got a taste for the value of long-term research thinking. But my career really changed course when um, back in 1983 I was involved as a first attack firefighter with the 1983 Ash Wednesday bushfires up in the Central Highlands around Warburton and saw the catastrophic devastation that caused the very large areas of fires. And I was tasked by the Forest Commission to uh, go back in over the following months to try and map and assess the damage. And we did so using techniques that were probably 100 years old. It meant a lot of walking through sort of blackened forests with, with block roads, um, laboriously mapping with a chain and compass survey. And after about six months of that, with time running out, to uh, better manage the rehabilitation and recovery of those forests was suggested to me we should try using this new technology called remote sensing satellite imagery. So I did a bit of investigation, wrote a report for the chairman of the Forest Commission that this might be useful. The next thing you know, I'm up doing a short course at the University of New South Wales and I was absolutely blown away by the power of these technologies and to the great credit of the Victorian government, they sponsored me to do um, a master's in remote sensing at the university on the promise that I'd I'd come back and set up a remote sensing unit for the Victorian government to use. That all played out beautifully. 
So during the 1980s, I had this great opportunity to uh, slingshot the, the Victorian public sector into the, into the modern era, as it were, and that completely changed my, my journey in life. And I've been able to, since then, weave in the twin themes of research and next generation technologies in a whole range of, of different application areas. So what did this, what did I learn from this? You've asked that question. The first one is the value of thinking long-term. Forestry science does that anyway for you. Research does as well. But if you can set up a long-term view of where you and your organisation may get to, it really helps um, keep abreast of the developments that are coming over the horizon. Being prepared to learn continuously and change along the journey, also absolutely critical. And being an acute observer of technology trends and changes and asking yourself early in that cycle of technology how you and your organisation may take advantage of that. People are the key to any success in life. So surrounding yourself with, with good colleagues, absolutely vital. The ability to persist, particularly when you're trying to introduce a new, new technology or a change, there's always a lot of resistance. And giving thanks, both silently and openly and frequently, because you know, gratitude fuels the soul. Peter, you're a leader in our industry and are playing a pivotal role in bringing together the space industry and the spatial industry through the 2030 Space and Spatial Growth Roadmap. This is groundbreaking on a number of levels. Please tell us about what the vision is behind this and where you're hoping it will lead to in the future. Well, the Australian government has, in the last 12 months, put a very great emphasis on growth in the space industry. And it's set two key targets for 2030, 20,000 additional jobs and a $12 billion uplift or thereabouts in GDP. Critical to achieving those targets will be not just a big emphasis on growth in capability in space assets, but also the emphasis will need to be on the quality and value of the information that those space assets provide in the three critical downward-looking space asset classes, so satellite telecommunications, position navigation, timing at Earth, observation. And in order for us to reach and exceed those targets and significantly prosper in all our key sectors, the private sector, government sector, and the research sector, we need a roadmap, a roadmap which will combine the power of space and spatial working uh, synergistically together and we need to identify the things that we absolutely have to do collectively um, with those two industries working closely together. So the, the roadmap is, is essentially bringing together the, the key bodies in both space and spatial across all sectors that have a leadership influence on the future and working together with them uh, governed by a, a steering committee with representatives from those key bodies to do three key things. Map the ecosystem that we've currently got and that we want over the next decade to develop a picture of the risks that will formally threaten our ability to roll out the best possible outcomes in space and spatial and to develop a white paper that will stimulate discussion for all those who want to participate 
and collectively building our future. And then coming out of all of that will be the roadmap itself. I'm so inspired by this vision of the future. I feel as though it really ties together some of the most exciting aspects for many of us about being in the spatial industry. And it provides a way forward that really shows the potential of our industry. What do you see as our heritage being as an industry? And how will this play out to influence our future? Yes, uh, this is a really interesting question. So the Look, the digital world is set to emulate the real world over the next decade. You know, a virtual copy, um, essentially, with modelled options uh, of the future. Uh, we could call it a digital twin or Microsoft's planetary computer. By whatever name, uh, Spatial will play a profound role in making this happen. And we've only really just begun to see the real impact of Spatial in that context. It's quite a journey ahead, and really, we're so lucky to be a part of it. What do you think is holding us back from being more as an industry? Yeah, so let's look at this in the Australian context. Achieving critical mass, which will grow out of what is a fairly fragmented still industry, the ability to think really big, not constrained by our current circumstances or our past, And we really need to persuade far more of Australia's decision makers across all sectors to factor in, back and adopt spatial into their thinking. So Peter, what excites you about the future of our industry? What are a handful of things that you think will fundamentally change the way that we work in the next five years? Let's look at this in the context of COVID-19 and our experiences of the last three months or so, it's quite clear that whatever the new norm is going to be, it's not going to be a return to what we were uh, just before Christmas. I think number one for Australia will be a sense of our sovereign capability and our sovereign destiny, making our future ourselves. Australia is going to much more highly value self-sufficiency along its key supply chains. And in our case, I think this will mean Two or three key things. Firstly, assured access to vital space assets and space-derived services. We will own, task, control, operate, quite possibly launch, almost certainly build far more of our space-related assets in Earth observation and satellite communications and question mark position navigation and timing. We will control our vital data sets and assets in ways that we don't do so at the moment. So we're going to appreciate the need for formal identification of these digital assets. That will include a much greater emphasis on domestic storage and protection, development of our own analytics, and actually controlling the databases, the use of those analytics and the provisioning of the information products that come from them in ways which are really traditionally Australian rather than taking outcomes from other sources. Perhaps a third point here as well. We'll have a much sharper focus on the nation-building elements that warrant government investment and management. We've started this with great initiatives like the National Positioning Infrastructure Capability in the SBAS of Geoscience Australia and the Foundation Spatial Data Framework of the 
the ANZLIG agencies, that's all jurisdictions across Australia and New Zealand. There'll be far more of these because they form the platform for all aspects of Australian society and the economy to grow. So the government industry and the research sectors will continue to strengthen their cooperation and grow core, these core national assets. And we'll see the springboard significantly strengthened on the basis of these. National digital twins, for example, clearly fall into this category, as does PSMA's Geoscape. So there'll be increasing self-sufficiency, which will see us leveraging far more cooperation and efficiencies in working together. We will have to for a variety of reasons, including because of cost pressures. And there's much we can learn from the excellent progress that New Zealand has made in this regard over really many years. So COVID-19 is showing us that we can be very productive with virtual meetings um, and saving on travel. And this is actually causing us to recognise that we can be succinct, we can be far more agile, uh, and we can find new and innovative ways to work together to get things done. Taking this further, how do you think we can all, as individuals, as businesses, as governments or as academics, be more courageous in adopting new approaches and harnessing a new technology when it comes to developments in spatial? Well, I'm going to echo the words of many here about culture and the need for culture change. Uh, and this needs to be a long-term change. We need to, in Australia, collectively um, far more value our entrepreneurs who are having a go, particularly when they fail to succeed the first time, rather than writing them off. Uh, we need to be absolutely encouraging them to get up and have another go. We're too quick to shun first-time failures. Um, so we need to collectively um, recognise the opportunities uh, that can be harnessed by the huge experience that these entrepreneurs are gaining via, via failures and successes. Because with the knowledge that comes from a failure, you're far more likely to succeed the next time. The US particularly are a leader in this, um, and they actually highly value the hard-won experiences. We need to be the same. And more immediately, I think we need to personally cultivate the awareness of how emerging technologies can help our own organisations. Uh, to do that, we need to have an acute appreciation of the goals that are driving our own organisations. And then we can use our own voice to put the case for adoption or trial or to push for greater understanding of these technologies and to push it further up the tree. Now, often you can get far further in a crisis and so there's an opportunity for us right now to be able to do more of this. Um, in any case, we should be doing this regularly, even in the new norm. And I think we'll all be very pleasantly surprised by how good we become at doing this and at recognising potential opportunities and making the case for them and spotting them and pushing them hard. Um, always have a small portfolio in your back pocket of opportunities because their time will come eventually.
The theme both for Locate 20's digital engagement program as well as the face-to-face Locate 21 in Brisbane is Convergence, Collaboration and Community Towards a Stronger Economy. What does this mean to you personally? Look, this is a great theme and it's so timely because it's through collaboration that we stand to gain so much. Siloed, linear approaches that seek to use one technology to solve one client's problems uh, dooms us to small incremental gains in the most part. So let's look to see if we can identify far more challenges that can only be tackled through collaboration. That is really big challenges that shift us in stepwise fashion as a nation. If we do that, the outcomes will be far greater than the sum of the parts and those outcomes will also be far more impactful as well. There are conversations in many circles about tech for good. As we advance the spatial industry and the space industry, what can we do to proceed ethically? This is fundamentally important, uh, especially as we introduce the three blockbuster developments that are coming, artificial intelligence, very high real-time location precision, uh, and massive improvements in analytical processing capacity across enormously diverse data suites. So our ethical considerations will develop far more maturely in a range of areas, and they need to. Protection of individual rights and individual safety. Our fundamental obligations to ensure a healthier environment, climate change, which is the paramount challenge of our times, uh, together with ecosystem preservation, and enhancements. These are absolutely critical for the foreseeable future. And we need to create sustainable futures, uh, enhancing the collective good of humankind through specific roles that Australia can play internationally. We need to help lead the shaping of our spatial future in this regard. And I think we, that's our spatial community, should consider going on the front foot and creating something like a a standing commission on spatial that would identify and tackle key nation-building issues that involve spatial. And ethics, of course, will be a key underpinner of any developments that come out of a framework like that. So, Peter, tell me a little bit about what you're passionate about, not only about our industry, but for the world in general. So there are three things that I'm really passionate about, and my passion has has really been with me for many, many years, but now I've got a real opportunity to do something about it. And the first one is diversity and inclusion, making sure that we, in our professional lives, in all aspects of the Mocha Spatial, um, drive really hard towards a whole new approach to diversity and inclusion across all aspects of professional life from boards, to committees, to just balance in the organisation. It's so important that we we get there as soon as we possibly can. And I'm doing everything I can to try and influence that. So that's the first one. The second one is allied to that, but it's Indigenous inclusion. Being a forester and having spent many years in my early career working uh, across the forests of Australia, I came to really appreciate the Indigenous knowledge that is out there, but that we're not using. Um, And in recent years, particularly with the fires of the last season, 
Uh, there's been a wonderful debate opened up about the incredible knowledge that was utilised for tens of thousands of years by our Indigenous forebears in managing really effectively the natural landscape of Australia. And I'd love to see a resurgence of that in the context of a far greater recognition of the incredible heritage um, of our Aboriginal people in the past and now in the present. And the third one is climate change and the environment. We are overwhelmed with evidence that we are fundamentally changing for the worse our natural environment, which is impacting everybody and everything globally. And we need to see a sea change in the way humankind goes about addressing that problem and ensuring that we leave an improved legacy for all time. And we know that this is the only window of opportunity to do that. And that window is closing very quickly. I feel incredibly strongly about this. So this is a real time for all of us to use our collective voice to bring that change about. Peter, we've seen with COVID-19, the rapid nature of response by governments all around the world to a crisis that is impacting humanity and the environment in truly unprecedented ways that we haven't seen before. Do you think that there is the potential for us to carry over some of these learnings into the way that we respond to climate change? That's a really perceptive question, Roshni, and the answer is yes. Ironically, through this unprecedented tragedy that is COVID-19, we are witnessing a collective human response that we couldn't have in any way predicted prior to COVID. So we can do it. And because we can do it through the crisis, we can do it generally beyond the crisis. So we should grab all the best elements of collaboration and collective good that we're witnessing now, and we should bake them into the way we do things right around the globe. There's so much more that we can do on the back of that, but these first tentative steps have been enormously heartening. For you, Peter, how have your mentors over the years helped change the way that you work? All of us, as we move through our careers, pick up a series of um, key um, values and must-dos in order to reinforce success. And so here are some of the ones that, that, that I've gathered uh, over my career from a, from a whole range of, of wonderful and great people that I've had the privilege of working with. Make decisions, so be decisive. This is so hard, but if we're wrong when we make a decision, then make another decision. The underlying point here is don't prevaricate. Uh, get on with things. Secondly, point out bad news early and frankly and try and couple it with a solution wherever possible. Try to set high standards in every aspect of, of your professional life whether it's groundbreaking new technology development or a scientific paper or giving a talk to school children or even just framing an email. Always have in the back of your mind excellence in that communication. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Be an easy collaborator and a good colleague. Smile. Smile a lot. Be respectful of others. When thinking through a challenge or a problem, 
resolve a solution and then think some more about it at a higher level until time dictates that you have to act and implement. Through time, this approach gives us an ever more superior series of solutions and more quickly. And finally, invest in your own capabilities, both formal through qualifications and soft capabilities, skills, and do that lifelong. Those were very inspiring. Peter, you clearly have an incredible journey ahead of you. You're so inspiring. You're so grounded. You're so humble. What's on the horizon for you and what legacy do you want to leave for future generations? Oh, thank you for those very kind words, Roshni. Um, so I've looked just at the the small portfolio of, of activities that I'm currently involved in and just touch on each of those. I'm really looking forward to assisting the development um, of our industry and the space industry, so space and spatial together through the, the 2030 space and spatial uh, road mapping uh, during 2020 and beyond, and we've previously touched on that. I'm looking forward to contributing to the, the rapid and sustained growth in the space industry through space research, uh, principally by laying down a best practice governance and collaboration regime that is enduring through my involvement with SmartSat CRC. I'm further developing the thinking on foundation spatial capabilities for Australia uh, and really enjoying that through my involvement with the, the PSMA and ORIN, which is the Australian Urban Research Centre. I'm also thoroughly enjoying working with uh, Charles Sturt University's Foresight Committee as a council member, assisting capability building in regional Australia, uh, which is a, a growing area of need and highly recognised throughout Australia. It's fundamental to the the well-being of Australia long into the future. And finally, I'm really looking forward to completing the history of the, the Ashburton Willows Cricket Club. I'm a club historian. And, and, and especially finding that elusive first record of the club's first ever game in 1876. If there's one other thing that's worth conveying, it's this, and that is a sense of wonderful enthusiasm for spatial and for space. And if that's the only legacy I leave, then I'll be, I'll be really happy. That's amazing. Thank you very much for joining us today, Peter. It has been an absolute honour and I'm sure that the wise words that you've said will give all of our listeners much to think about. Thank you, Roshni. Thanks for joining us for today's episode with Peter Woodgate in our conversation about the 2030 Space and Spatial Industry Growth Roadmap tech for good means for the future of location intelligence and the opportunities for growth for our industry's future. Join us on July 22nd, 2020 for a Q&A session with Peter as part of Locate Connect to hear more about what lies beyond Agenda 2026 and take the themes of our conversation today further still. Join us next time on the Locate podcast as we spend time catching up with Melissa Harris, Executive Director of Strategic Land Assessment and Information with Land Use Victoria inside the Location Infrastructure Group of the Victorian Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning, DELP, and also the Deputy Chair of ANSLIC, the Australia and New Zealand Land Information Council.
We'll hear many gems of wisdom from Melissa about how other industries can benefit from the work that the Australian geospatial industry is doing, the important work that governments are doing to provide leadership in this space, the assumptions that people can sometimes make about spatial, and the challenges our industry might face in the future, as well as to hear some of the big leadership lessons that she's learned as she's moved through her career. See you next time. Music